0: Welcome to the You Collective podcast. You Collective is an open platform, democratizing the voice of individuals with achievement impact. Today with us is Yenshin Li, who is a pathmaker in many different fields. Welcome, Yenshin. Hi, Joyce, thank you for having me. So let's get started with telling us about your interesting path, which I find very fascinating. So
1: I am currently a patent attorney um, in a firm in New York City. And before I found my way into law and intellectual property law, um, I was a chemical engineer as an undergrad. And after college, I actually worked for a few years as a process engineer in Houston. Um, And the bulk of my work was focused around designing upstream or downstream facilities for oil companies. And after a few years, I just did not see myself doing that for the next 20, 25, 30 years. And so I was in a bind in terms of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I thought about different grad school opportunities, but I essentially nixed every single possibility of graduate school except law school. Um, And so I actually applied to law school, but I figured since I was making a break with engineering, I would apply to Other types of organizations that maybe once upon a time I'd flirted with but didn't ever think was a a viable opportunity or an endeavor that I would actually follow through with. Um, I actually have to credit one of my friends from college for inspiring me to apply to Peace Corps, and I actually got accepted to Peace Corps, so I elected to do Peace Corps before going into law school, Uh, and I served um, for two years in Tanzania where I taught math, physics, and chemistry to O-level students. So they were approximately 13 to 17 years old um, in Tanzania. So I think that's probably my unconventional turn in terms of how I got from engineering to law. But I think it was a great experience for me, and it kind of gave me some time to figure out what I wanted to do while at the same time doing something that was useful for other people or
0: trying to give benefits to other people. What did you learn from your experience in Tanzania?
1: I think I never really credited how important small gestures or trying to respect other people's cultures could be before I went to Tanzania. And I think living there gave me a better appreciation for how to connect with people on a non-transactional sense. So an example I can think of is um, in my class of volunteers, naturally some people picked up the language faster and other people picked up the language a little bit slower. But different parts of the country also have different tribes and different tribal dialects. And so my area spoke Swahili pretty prevalently, but there was also a local dialect that was native to the, the tribe of my, my region. <clears throat> and one effort I tried to do um, while I was living there was I would try to learn certain phrases that were common such as good morning or good afternoon, from one of the cooks at my school. I think the fact that I bothered to learn their native greeting just went a long way in terms of giving me better credibility with people in my village and giving me better credibility with people at my school. And even just trying to learn more Swahili while I was there and engage with the locals in Swahili instead of English I think that you know solidified to them that I was committed to to figuring out what their daily life was like and it wasn't so imperial imperialistic where you know peace corps volunteers just came in and tried to tell locals what they should be doing with their lives. And so I think you know that's something that I take away with what I do now as a lawyer. I think you know a big component of being an attorney is fostering and building client relations and I you know it's hard for me to say what I would be like as a lawyer had I not done Peace Corps but I think it's giving me a better sense of paying attention to what other people care about and I think that's incredibly important as an attorney because we're here to provide client services and if we cannot provide good client services no doubt our clients
0: will go somewhere else. And as you embarking on this new career um, as attorney, and especially in area, uh area such as patent law, what are you finding about yourself that uh, you didn't know about yourself, whether that's from a leadership perspective or uh, from the perspective of professional growth?
1: I think now that I'm in quote-unquote big law, I think one thing that's become more of a personal interest is trying to start dialogue or have conversations with my colleagues, with people who are more senior than me, people who are just starting law school or just starting their careers in the legal field, is having a conversation about being a woman in such an industry and how to be a successful woman without necessarily incurring, you know, the typical behind the name, uh, behind people's back name calling. I mean, I think a lot of women feel like they have to be a bitch and I think I'm interested in trying to navigate a way to be a strong woman and to be, Academically and intellectually and professionally competent but at the same time do that with both grace and with assertiveness in a way that I can be taken seriously but try to carve a different path in terms of not being not having to be a bitch to be successful and to be a successful woman.
0: And in The face of adversity, whether it's at workplace, uh, especially in fields where, um, as you mentioned, uh, women are uh, still making their way to the very top. How do you resolve with conflicts where having a mentor isn't sufficient,
1: I think I credit you know, my ability to try to stay grounded when an artificial s- external structure is not necessarily there to provide good guidance. Um, I think it's maybe a little bit cheesy for me to say, but I really credit people who I consider my friends and people who I respect, whether they be colleagues or Friends that I knew from college, or former supervisors, or coworkers. I guess I feel pretty grateful that I think I have a pretty broad network of people that I know, who I can whom I can call, and kind of use as a sounding board in terms of just trying to distill out thoughts or things that are angering me or stressing me out. Um. I think it's just good because talking about it, at least for me personally, kind of helps me to filter out an outline almost of, you know, how am I going to tackle this problem? How can I compartmentalize or break it down into smaller questions? And then looking at each small question as kind of a, if one, then proceed with path A versus if two, then take path B or C and I think I have to think about things in um I guess it's not linear but it's some sort of if then almost code like way of executing a problem and I think that's how I I try to get through problems whether it's professionally or personally um in my life now
0: you know I've observed your journey for a long time and you've always had leadership roles whether uh in college or Know, going to Tanzania and actually make impacts in um, hundreds of students' lives and building something that wasn't necessarily there and making permanent mark in those students' lives. And you then went to law school and also uh, became an editor of the Law Review. And as you think about the different leadership opportunities that you've held and in observing the different leaders around you, or you aspire uh, to uh, become, what are some of the key leadership traits that you think are critical for pathmakers or people who want to make impact?
1: Um, I think I can think of two main points that, In my experience, I either was on the giving end or the receiving end. Um, I think one quality that, in my personal opinion, makes a good leader is the ability to deal with conflict, which means sometimes those conflicts have to be addressed head on rather than ignored or put off or given to somebody else. Um, When I was in law school, like you said, I was part of a journal. And there was a board of people on the journal. But like many student organizations, um, there's always the day to day hustle and bustle. And I remember feeling frustrated because I was turning to someone who I thought was you know, higher ranked as a leader than me in terms of the structure of the, the organization. And I relied on this person or I wish this person would take some additional action, um, which this person never did. And it was frustrating because I felt like that crippled the journal in terms of productivity and building a good foundation for the next class of um, journal leaders. So I think, you know, when there's a problematic person on your team or there's friction on your team, a leader has to be able to address that face on rather than try to avoid or evade. And I think nobody likes to have conflict or nobody wants to start an unpleasant conversation, but there's a way to do it that's productive, but there's a way to do it where you have to talk about it. I think the second thing that I've learned, at least being a lawyer now, is nobody is perfect, but when you're a leader and you make a mistake, I think you have to own up to it, and I think you therefore then also have to show grace and tolerance, to an extent of course, when the people that you work with or the people that work for you make mistakes. I think it's particularly hard to work with people whose trust because of an inability to admit to wrongdoing makes you less likely to rely or believe something that a leader says. And I think that's an even worse place to be as a leader when people that you work with don't trust you. And I think part of that building that trust is just owning up when you do make a mistake. Um, and I know it's not easy. And I think in a lot of ha- high powered, high stress or high profit turning fields, you know, everybody has an ego. But I think I personally appreciate when someone, you know, admits or can concede a point when there there could be a valid other explanation or uh, another valid way to do something.
0: Let's talk about uh, courage. You obviously had many chapters, even uh, at this juncture of your personal and professional life, and have accumulated am- amazingly impactful experiences. And how do you find the courage to say, look, I don't have a manual given to me to know exactly what to do, but I'm going to try it.
1: I think at the end of the day, I mean, life and everything that we do is always a forward motion. So I think it would be foolish and naive to think that, one can remain stagnant at all points in time. I think I would never necessarily describe myself as being courageous, but I think I just try to, I think what ended up causing me to fall into law, which when I was in college did not seem to ever go hand in hand with a engineering background, is I think at the end of the day, engineering and law are really similar because You're trying to solve a problem, whether that be a technical problem or a calculation or you're trying to solve a problem within the structure of American law for your client. It's a way of kind of assessing the landscape and using what you know and using what you what has happened in previous decisions or previous similar situations to try to maybe even gamble a little bit at the odds that you have in your present situation. So so I think in terms of making decisions that are courageous, it's more just for me, I think of it as, well, I have a new problem and what do I know about the facts of this problem? And are any of these fact patterns applicable to things that I remember from my past or from previous experiences could I use what I learned or where I fell short in previous experiences to try to make this one better?
0: Where do you see yourself in 10 or 20 years?
1: <laughs> you know, that's really hard for me to say. Um, people are, Some people know what they want to do for 10, 5, 10, 20 years. I think it's really hard for me to know what I want, would want to do in 10 or 20 years but I think definitely in the next three to five years, I'm I'm interested in staying in the legal field and just gaining knowledge in terms of being a better writer, being a better attorney, being a better litigator, maybe seeing the courtroom one day. Um, I don't know necessarily if I would leave the law or use the legal knowledge to try to go into some sort of company. It's hard for me to say, but I think... It'll always be doing something that I find interesting. And if I think having left engineering to do law, if I ever came to a fork in the road where I did not enjoy what I was doing and I did not feel like it was interesting or that I was learning something, then I think, you know, that next time I hit a fork in the road, I would have either even less hesitation of leaving to do something that I found appealing to me.
0: And a as advice for, uh, individuals who are looking at law school or looking at transitioning their career, um, uh, completely, um, into a different field or gaining a different experience. What, what advice would you give them?
1: I think it's okay to do something really different. So I know that when I, basically moved my few possessions that I could fit in my car and I left Houston to go home to my family in Maryland before going to Peace Corps. I'm sure people were thinking that I was crazy because I was literally dropping all of my worldly material possessions to go live in a country and live in a place where it was like two years of camping. So in my village in my, my site, uh, which was actually probably one of the better ones. Uh, I had no running water and I sometimes had electricity, but I think if you're going to do something completely different, don't be held back by other people telling you that you're not going it, to, it's a, it's a fruitless endeavor, but I think The way to think about it is okay, if I do something out of the box, how can I pitch that or how can I leverage those skills or that experience somehow to make it, to make myself look more like an asset? So for me, I was a little bit wishy-washy about whether I really wanted to commit to law school, even though I was fairly certain that, you know, I, I definitely did not want to go to med school, did not want to do research, did not want to go to business school, did not want to continue in engineering. But I felt like Peace Corps could give me some traction in terms of if I wanted to say, well, I want to switch away from engineering and I want to do work in the public sector, Or if I want to focus on international public health, well, my experience in Peace Corps, even though the day-to-day was teaching math and chemistry and physics, as a side project or just kind of like a community project, you know, I tried to empower girls in my village. We tried to do like a, a girls' camp day where we talked about women's health and, you know, saying no or walking away from bad situations learning about HIV, learning about malaria. You know, there were other health volunteers in the country, and sometimes the education volunteers would pair up with them and do sort of midwife or, like, village education classes. So even the Peace Corps at the surface didn't look like anything relevant to the science field. At least if I wanted to go to law school, I could say, oh, I want to do public health or I want to do health law. And, hey, I have hands-on-ground experience working with villagers in Tanzania and learning about what it's like when there isn't a hospital and you you can't call 911 and drive overnight to deliver a baby. You're just going to have to deliver your baby at home. You know, just think, whatever you decide you want to do, make sure that there's something that you can spin out of it that makes an interesting bullet on your resume or an interesting story or an interesting way that you can have a shoe in to a conversation that's memorable and that makes you memorable compared to your peers.
0: Yenshin, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and for uh, helping others um, in such a tremendous way. And uh, we look forward to supporting you here at You Collective. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joyce.